hello everybody welcome to the brain trust podcast my name is adam vass and i'm a tabletop game designer in grand rapids michigan and my name's will yopes i'm a tabletop game designer in the flaming core of the uh thermal planet crematoria where riddick is in jail at one point uh adam what's up oh just slumming around i feel like uh it, the last two days, I was, like, excited to be working on stuff and be creative again for the first time. And then uh, Sunday, I fell asleep. And today, I have to pack mail order. Like, two weeks of mail order. So, um, I love to, love to feel excited and then crushed in, in quick succession. It's okay, kind of my so kink. this is when you are doing what we do which is you write games as a as a job you have to really watch out for when you're working and when you're not working and so like for me and for seb as well we don't do any work over the weekends and it makes me really really excited to write on monday but then if anything happens on monday that excitement is still there and i'm yeah i feel that feeling of being upset that i wasn't able to do it but it's still like wow i'm this burnout, I feel receding because I'm setting boundaries and following it. And it's the best situation to want to write and not have the time to than to have all the time to write and not want to fucking do it at all. Yeah, those are both, they're both not ideal. You know, the, yeah. the one you want is to want to write and have time to do so. But uh, yeah, when, you know, like I found that I need to like just sketch out two hours in the morning to write because like the world will begin to happen through the day right the world is distracting damn dude <laughs> yes it is so much going on out there yeah um so much <laughs> so much frequently too <laughs> With a higher frequency than ever before. Um, it's hot. It's I'm in quote unquote Canada, which feels much hotter than anywhere I've lived. That's which is wild. Yeah, it's this global warming, which you know we were talking about the stuff in the world happening with greater frequency. Uh, not to bring up a. <laughs> yeah, it's just hot as fucking shit, and um. We have, like, one air conditioner that we wheel from room to room mm -hmm. like some kind of fantasy boss battle. Like, we, the boss brings its hell engine into a room. <laughs> We're playing Morkborg tonight. I should probably save this for that. Right. That's Yeah. Um, both the, the temperatures and the devices are, are good fodder. Yeah, being using weather in games is some key stuff. Like, I like focusing in on the weather being a important part of like any scene, like what temperature it is. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I don't think I've ever. I think the only time I mention the weather is just like, you know, at, up front. Today is raining, or whatever. When you want a thunderclap, I don't. I don't yeah, use it, but not. I do I, it I especially to, to highlight 
like when stuff is nice outside like that's the thing like you kind of always assume that when you're playing a game you're like comfortable i always just but picture it's gray like, i feel like it's, it's neutral <laughs> <laughs> everything else it, it's one of the like then when things get heated it like starts to rain or when things when you have like a cheery episode it clears up like the weather is in a quantum state that reflects the tone of the rest of the show. Mm, yeah, it's really uh, romantic like that. It's like a mood ring. <laughs> no, I love, like, you know, I played a whole game that was set in the summer, so it, like, began the summerness. You, I mean, Babes in the Wood assumes the season. True, true. But I think the hollows within could fluctuate some. Um, True, but in the same way, like I live in Michigan, and it, in October it could be ninety degrees or it could snow. <laughs> so cool! It's <laughs> such cool shit. And I think that's reflected in the game. Like, uh, even there's only three pre-made like setting adventures in in the core book, and one of them is like the bears getting ready to hibernate in their caves that are like capped with snow. And then the first one is like a lakefront property, like late summer, sum, summer reprise, um, people in shorts and stuff. And that wasn't necessarily a deliberate reflection of like what October is here, but it yeah. worked out really nicely in that way. It's still, they still both hopefully evoke the same kind of time because the weather is one aspect, but there's just like so much. I don't know, vibe, or it's probably just like consumerist uh, overlays of that make a, that make October feel distinct from November, you know? I think we've all had the time where we dress up for Halloween as kids, and then the weather doesn't match up with the type of costume mm. you're wearing. So, like, you have to wear a coat over your Stormtrooper costume. <laughs> it's devastating. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm a winter trooper. <laughs> I'm a pirate in the Arctic Circle. Wait, now we're talking. Um, but yeah, there's like an old piece of game master tech, which is you never tell your players how to feel, but you can describe how events are affecting them physically. So instead of saying, you're scared because of the ghost, you say, you feel a draft pass over you and your hair stand on end. So you talk about like the physical circumstances. Mm. So for summer games, you can say you're sweating and it fucking sucks. Like you're gonna have to shower when you get home. Like, <laughs> not enough uh, RPGs have consideration for bathroom time. I've noticed this. Any pastoral game that does not make ample time for me to use the outhouse needs to reconsider the design goals. I need to have a functional move where. I elicit the human drowning response by dunking my face in the sink. Um, because otherwise I'm not I'm not immersed. I do that every night now. I just fully <laughs> splash ice water. I like taking a cold shower. Um this is the episode, by the way, everybody. We're having a chill one. Um yeah, this is We've it. Here. Uh I like taking a cold shower and then somehow crossing an invisible line to when it gets too cold and I recoil 
like to the other end of the shower and then I'm like I don't want to get too cold then I'll get stressed out and hot later like I need to <laughs> introduce my body to the idea of cold and then my body and cold go on a couple dates and we'll see how things turn out <laughs> yeah. I, I learned a new thing about myself here in this fourth floor apartment in this hundred year old building inside crematoria the planet from Riddick um <laughs> Where if a fan is blowing on me too hard when I'm asleep, I have a meltdown. Yeah, I've been trying to figure this out. And I thought I was a seasoned vet at this. But is something changing with fan technology? I think something's changing with the climate. (laughs) (laughs) But... (laughs) uh, (laughs) I, I... yeah, I have a I've been using a weighted blanket since I moved and I can't figure out what the deal is with the temperature on that thing. I got How does a weighted blanket work? Like I imagine it looks like a net with rocks on the end and so like, Um you... I think the inside does look like that. Like it's like a web and there's like bean bags in each of the web pockets that are weighted with some shit. I don't know. It weighs like twenty five pounds. Oh cool. And it just feels good to have something heavy on top of you. But, uh, yeah, I can't tell if it makes me really hot or if it doesn't work as a warmth device. And there's no middle ground there. Every day is different. It's kind of like science and chemistry where the more pressure something is under, the hotter it gets. I think that might be it. You're subjecting your body. Are you do you find yourself spinning in tight circles, increasing your velocity? Um, yeah, almost to a state where I'm spinning so fast it looks like I'm not spinning at all. Yeah, the helicopter in camera frame rate. <laughs> the helicopter looks like a dumb kid is frooming it through this military base. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I do, yeah. I'm I'm spinning at 24 rotations per second. <laughs> or thir- 30 rotations per second in, in Europe. Yeah, well, we're filming a movie, so it's the 20, uh, 24. Yeah, did you? And thank you again. I had to learn when our band made a documentary in like 2014 or 15, 14, um, that the you have to change the frame rate of your camera depending on what region you're in, because the electricity makes the lights work at different frequencies. What the fuck? So if you're shooting at 24 frames per second in Europe you accidentally get like uh, fluorescent lights. They feel like they're strobing. Because... Oh, it's that Ikea light situation when Adam Bell films a slow motion yes. video of him rolling <laughs> dice in the Rune Trust Discord. It has, yeah. it has to do with like the, the energy current and the frequency of the actual light emission mismatching with the frame rate of the camera. You could have said literally anything, and I would have believed you. Yes, I agree. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got this fan on me, and it's, like, at the foot of the bed, so it's blowing up kind of Marilyn Monroe style the uh, bed, and then I just, like, am agitated all night. Like, I did not know I was princess and the pea but it's like the princess and the light gust of wind (laughs) princess and the fan death risk i have a lot of devices going in my sleep to put me out of 
reality. What you got? I, got? I bet I can go pound for pound up to a point. I think you're going to beat me, but I think I could be competitive. Oh, I, I mean, the number one is the fan. I got a fan going. Uh, it's blowing air on me, but it's also it's noisy. And is it oscillating? No, it's static. Yeah, I'm not oscillating either. Just direct air. <laughs> Um, this is what sometimes fucks me up. Like some nights I'll be fine and other nights I'll be like invaded by the spirit of who this fan has killed before I owned it. <laughs> and I'll just like need to get, you know, those paintings of people that have tetanus. Are you familiar with like no. tetanus was previously thought to be a demonic possession because um, when you get it, you just your body's in all your muscles flex without your control. That's like what tetanus does to you. And people are like, that's clearly the devil. And not because someone touched a dirty scooter (laughs) that was rusted. (laughs) Okay, you got the fan. Um, And then I have the the special earbuds that just play infinite loop of white noise. Uh, Those are fantastic. How do you manage? I mean, do they work like with your ear and pillow? Are you a side sleeper? Or I am, I am a side sleeper. I have a the the bow tie shaped pillow that goes between my knees <laughs> on the side. Right. Yes. Um. Yeah. These are snug, but they so they don't they can't stream. They can't actually cast music or audio from a device. Right. They're preloaded. Yeah. They have internal with relaxation, memory. and then. Because of that, there's al- there's also no microphones or anything, so they are the actual like electronic part is pretty small, and then there's just this like rubber part that basically follows the contour of my outer ear. Oh, that's cool. And it just sort of locks into place, but it doesn't bother me on my side. They're not like deep enough. I they're you know they're designed for a single purpose, which is to wear while you sleep. So they they figured that out somehow. Because okay, you. You've got very technical headphones. I've got Parcast Podcasts. Just, Are you familiar with the Parcast Network? I'm not. Are we on it? No, because we don't do podcasts called like Murdering by Killing for Death, Strangers <laughs> Violently Killed Through Murder Means. Um, it They've got like, you know, they just do boring podcasts that's for people to fall asleep to. And so Seb and I will listen to like unexplained mysteries and mythology and stuff like that but it is a little bit hard when it's a podcast with a little bit too vigorous of a voiceover budget so you'll hear like gilgamesh say like get the fuck out of my room <laughs> like in, in his thing or you hear like set osiris be like my son fucking sucks shit <laughs> um but other than that it is that's the the white noise we do what do you play it out of i <laughs> my cell phone next to a roaring air conditioner <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it's like when you you know use a when you're kind of programming drums and you have your snare hit but you also have a clap and you also have a burst of white noise yeah you so you stack them it's fully stacked yeah um, that's it for my electronics. Uh, I, yeah, I, I have a, I have central air. So part of the function of the fan is to, it's like right next to the air vent to just like 
moves the stuff around. It's a, bo- it's a boost pedal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're boosting into your fuzz pedal. <laughs> yeah, we don't obviously have central air because I'm sweating my my tokus off right now. Um, but I'm we st- do I'm still paying have... for the installation that happened three or four years ago. Is it worth it? Central, that yeah, we were just yes, talking it, today about like, you know, like no matter where we go, certain climate realities are going to make it. So there's going to be several months here where I am sweating bullets. So we kind of just need central air yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Um, it was worth it, but I, um, yeah, I'm, I think I, gonna, I think it's like a 10 year loan or some crap that I have to pay off. What's the price of comfort? What's the price of a smile? They installed it with kyber crystals, which is why it's so expensive. I think I just got a shitty loan and I was desperate enough to not read it. They saw you sweating. They're like, oh, we'll fix this. <laughs> Thanks for coming to our office. Our air is actually off today. This, we, we celebrate Green Wednesdays, so we don't run the air conditioning on the day that you came in. But Wow. No. I'm making this up, but that would be... I know, no, but that just sounded so real. I was just like, oh, that's kind of shitty policy. Uh, yeah, we, we have the thermostat set at 67 degrees every weekday, except for Wednesday where we go green. The only thing I miss about being in an office is being somewhere where it was brutally cold for no reason during the day. When I lived in Boston, that was my situation, because we had a, the studio apartment with basically cubicle rooms inside. <laughs> so some of us had vents and some of us didn't. Some of us had overhead lights and some of us didn't. Uh, Are you sure you weren't living in a Fallout Vault experiment? And <laughs> <laughs> not like you know what? I lived there from 2000, 2011 till two thousand fifteen, and I just found out that the last of my roommates moved out a month ago. Oh my god! Six How much years do you have later. to like? Those apartments are horrible. But it was so cheap because yeah. because of the situation that we created, that little tiny room thing. Uh, it's the only way you could live in Boston and not think about money. It was like $300. That is ridiculous. Did, was it still with the same like quantity of roommates? Um, I'm not sure. I didn't follow up. I just saw the pictures on Instagram and was like, Memory lane. Wow. Yeah. It changed. It, it was a weird. Not, not getting that security deposit back, it seems. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I love uh, renting an apartment where the, like, at least changes up enough between people. Like, you stay there long enough that there's basically no question that you lost thousands of dollars with that last month's rent. Yeah. I never, e- I didn't pay it because back when. I moved in. There was only one of the roommates who was on the the lease, and we just paid him. So he's the one who yeah. lost all the money. Yeah, there were several times where I just like figured out the money situation, and it was such a like logic puzzle word jumble thing that I'm just sitting here, just like saying goodbye to you know that thousand bucks that I spent. <laughs> Bye. Don't need it. That's my Boston tax. (laughs) 
was putting the dishes away like right before we started. And I was like, I'm turned up. We're either going to have a, the worst or the best episode. No <laughs> no, no middle ground today. I'm, I'm this is up. a pretty good one. Um, yeah, I just finished a Mantra Energy drink, and I'm feeling great. Uh, the great um, Dice Breaker did an article about the game we playstormed last episode, which is now out on... Um, itch.io the archive of archives of alexandria so you can check that out um i think adam has it collected on their itch page so my itch page too but yeah big shout out to chase carter for doing the write-up that was really nice and playing the game which is always just so cool it was a weird i didn't know that that article had come out and i wrote an update on my patreon today and it was just like hey if you play any of my stuff could you tweet could you tweet at me and tell me like, I just think it's I'd so like cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was my favorite part of seeing an article was it wasn't just like a check out this thing these people made. It was I engaged with the thing that the people made and have like a personal experience. And that's super re- rad to read as the pers- the people who made it. Yeah. Like while walking out on the surface of the sun to get a grocery <laughs> today, I was like, do you think the... Like, because that game just came out and then someone played it. So people have played it, like, really quickly because the game itself is really sellable. You are doing a Wikipedia co-op race where you're using hidden information from your own Wikipedia page to end up on the same page by the end. The metaphor is that you are bibliotechs escaping this astral archive where you uh, there's this degradation and digital fade that's happening that's like destroying the space station. So you got to meet up with your fellow bibliotech, do the double key insert to escape together, or die alone. But I, it made me think, like, is it because the game is so clear and short and you play it's really it? It's really approachable like, in that way. Do you think that that gets... I mean, obviously that gets more people playing the game, but even a game showing how simple it is and how all the pieces you need, you're already using to read the game. Yeah. Um, I think that's like, I, it feels like a magic equation there that just got people to play it so fast. I would say the same is true of this discord has ghosts in it and open world RPG because both of them are, you know, screens size PDFs that are less than 20 pages and like really large text blocks so it's not dense and it's just like hey you're already online with your friends right <laughs> like you you could figure this out tonight yeah you're already there it's and uh it's yeah, kind it's, of like the jackbox thing where like right. there's so little you need to do to get a fun thing going and that's the sort of dream as a creator too like you want to onboard the players Oh my goodness! That one might clip. I see it. I see, I see the spike. I want that to be like when in TikTok when the subs hit and it just breaks your phone. Do you want me to keep that in? I mean, I think I talked about it too much to cut out. Okay, that's up to you. It's funny. I don't care. This episode is a burner. It's not a burner. It's a, this is canon. I. I mean, because we're um, burning 
Dugan. <laughs>I suggested to Adam earlier today that we talk about SRDs, knowing only that I would say, on this episode, we're going to talk about SRDs. <laughs> SRDs nuts, in fact. And then let you figure out what the next thing to say is. But It's 20 minutes of silence. 20 minutes of silence is something. Yeah. I'm thinking about doing an SRD for Torque. Um, I can't tell if players like it or game designers like it or that's the same audience i've never made one or at all like i never really even thought about it um to me it is only for designers but i don't think i know anymore or i'm not like not in touch with like a pure player base that has no interest in design and to True. some to some extent i think that's because our world, our pocket community is uh, very accept- well it, like it's it's accessible in that people are really open to talking with you about that sort of stuff. And it's also uh, sort of an artist community, you know, like it's not the same as we're just making products to right. this end state like, I publish my product and then the consumer buys it. Um, there's generally because it's an art object, a little bit more intimacy just involved in that exchange. So um, that's to say, I, I think SRDs seem to only ever appeal to other designers, but that's also a bias because the people I'm, I hear from <laughs> or who I engage with <laughs> yeah. in that way are only designers. I think also SRDs nuts is usually the first <laughs> thing that you see from a game and it's usually free. So like as a game might cost something, I think we've all experienced the D and D 3.5 SRDs nuts as like one of our first accesses to how the game functions um, without paying for all those D and D books. That's at least true for me. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I I've I've referenced the Blades in the Dark one, but only in I the just read design the, way. Uh, Jason Tochi's twenty, uh, oh twenty four hundred twenty four XX. Yeah, twenty four hundred, twenty four XX, um, which is a great tiny SRD that's also the game, and <clears throat> I mean that game has like sixty entries in its jam, so definitely something going on there i think like the decision should be if you're going to release something at the same time as your game that is a low or no cost kind of access to the game for people interested before buying either having a quick start or an srd is the way to go yeah um i think we talked about a few weeks ago y2k as the sort of intro prequel yeah i i'm sort of treating it as a quick start that's that is actually distinct from the game. And I, I think that's neat, but it's maybe not the function here. Um, cause here's the other thing. I think a uh, quick start is like, Hey, let me hold your hand through this process that is playing this new game. And that's fantastic. And it usually has all the stuff you need. So that's the other thing we were talking about of just like ease of access. Like you don't need to print character sheets. There's usually blanks, and or pre-mades and 
you don't have to buy dice. There's usually a set in there or whatever. Um, yeah. Whereas an SRD tends to be... So uh, what I was... Oh, man. Quick Start has the game in this small capsule, right? But the game is its mechanics and its flavor. An SRD tends to be mechanics with no flavor. And I think that is clear why game designers like it. But I also think it's, now that I'm evaluating it, kind of more clear why a general audience wouldn't engage with that as much too. Right. It's presentationally a step back, which is, at least for you and I, like the polish is such a huge part of releasing stuff like if we wanted to we could just release docs of works in progress and stuff right or to do no that's why like there's an option to do a no layout version of a game which i actually think that that's a good middle ground like i don't want to figure out the absolute least my game footprint the smallest footprint my game could exist in without compromising on a larger thematic pull or something like i could imagine there is a tiny version of necronautilus out there that you could give away for free but i think you would lose a lot of the integrity of the game by doing that so right you can show these special right because there's a lot going like now, Necronautilus is like a game that is saying a lot inside of this very particular theme and motif. This like aesthetic you've basically created for the game. Right. And so doing a no layout version as like, instead of saying like just an SRD or a quick start, it's like how, what is the, fr- the no or low cost access into this game can you believe we were talking about fans and shit about 10 minutes ago <laughs> um, yeah I yeah think i i personally wouldn't i i mean not never oh but i wouldn't really be interested in a no layout version of anything i make because like you said the arts part of it the way that the information is relayed is part of it and if necronautilus was an SRD with no flavor. It's just like roll 2d6 under your target number. And if you, and if you do it exactly, then you crit like, and I stole that, you know, like I think I I took it from bats, uh, wizards in the waste, which I think might've originally been in six E. Um, but anyway, that's all to say, like, that's the other thing about a quick or an SRD to me is because it's mechanical. Like those mechanics aren't generally uh, bespoke. You know, I, I like to think that I'm a systems designer, but I didn't invent probability. <laughs> you could stumble on any dice for long enough and and accidentally create what you've done, but so much of it is the context around why the fictional yeah. triggers, the mechanical outputs, like. There is so much around it happening, and I think a part of layout design, too, larger book design, is saying, like, here's a rule that's pretty important to the core of this game, and here's a rule that I could care less if you use. Yeah. If you want to use it, it's here. The hierarchy is there, and not just... We don't pretend... Yeah, we don't... As designers, we don't pretend that our games are played with the exact fidelity that we export the PDF in. Like, that's just not going to happen. 
Um, but yeah, there's the Adira Slattery has said before that layout is system too. And this is a great example of that where you can devote a full page spread to building a character because this is huge and you can put a, a shout out just called sidebar shout outs <laughs> you can sh- you can shout out the money rules like in work borg when we figured out who how much money everybody gets like that's not really a, a big part of this right um we're here to watch the top 10 music videos of the day and someone might come <laughs> through and dedicate one of the music videos to um a friend or a partner even an ex-partner in the case of maybe like a uh, freak on a leash um, <laughs> instance but uh, those shout outs you know sometimes you as the audience you just phase them out because you're enjoying watching the bullet go around the room while corn performs their bespoke uh, style of beatboxing <laughs> metalcore and sometimes you do want to know why Garrett was um, really mad at his ex and mad enough to dedicate this corn song <laughs> to to them and um pull pull garrett's beanie over his eyes and go into like psycho mode for a couple seconds <laughs> damn i missed trl <laughs> what's up carson this is garrett from long island i just want to sh- send a shout out to my ex stephanie that's I, I, sometimes you know we had good times, we had bad times, but most of the time I just felt like a freak on a leash. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is like this is the only episode I was drawing before we called and I'm gonna paint after, so I'm a little bit stoned. And I think <laughs> that's important to mention immediately after Garrett's TRL se- shout out segment. <laughs> I think that's okay. Um, Right. I mean, you can look at TRL in totality as a game. And there's ads and shit. Like, what I'm saying is, I would rather give the game away for free than to figure out some avenue for people to access it in a lesser or worse. Yeah. To me, worse. But to... Like, I have lots of good experience giving away stuff for free and then people coming back and being happy about it and buying it. People that really dig my shit will buy it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I've i definitely taken that page from you and give most of my stuff out for free, optional. I also, in doing that, will see, especially lately, I'll notice people who are paying more, either on itch or... On my web store, where Necronautilus is on a sliding scale, um, there, there's always. I mean, pe- people will drop down and choose the higher amount, and I didn't do anything to like the... ask that or earn that, but like they want to do that. Yeah, I love the sliding scale. It is like great. I mean, just learning that stuff from doing zine fairs is so important, right? And you. You're being realistic about your needs and the ability for your customer to meet them. So It's difficult. The main thing I struggle with doing it online is managing inventory because I basically have the, each price set up as its own 
item, like in the same way you would have t-shirt sizes. Right. And, but they're all the same book in the same physical way in my storage and shipment and everything. So, uh, it's like refilling community copies. Like sometimes I have to go in and be like, why is there 100 more of this one than that one available? Because <laughs> they just are un- untamable. Yeah, it's it's easy on itch because you're selling just a digital right. version and the sliding scale is built in, adding a tip, basically. I wonder, yeah, it's something that in the Good Luck Press Store we'll try and figure out a Shopify thing to make that happen. Yeah, I... I use Squarespace and I have the cheapest plan. So I, I bet that that works somewhere. I just uh, don't know where. And I'm really ingrained. Someone texted me this weekend, like, wanting to set up a store for something that they make. And I was just telling them, like, a lot of people use this. I probably would if I wasn't just so entrenched at this point. If it wasn't too late. <laughs> um. Because I know that there are options like that, not necessarily specifically variable pricing, but just like so many features that seem logical in that same way that I don't have in my store. Yeah, I mean, basically every e-commerce thing sucks in one way, and you have to figure out which way you're okay with it sucking. It's really fun for this to be how we make money. It's really good. <laughs> every every platform of any kind has that. Like, this is the thing we talk about with crowdfunding and, like, all the problems that Kickstarter Lord. has, the problems that BackerKit has. Like, you, there's no perfect one. It's just sort of whatever you can handle and whatever feels okay for you. Um, same with, plat- like, store platforms. It's like... I know I I don't have the best one, but it's a price point that feels okay, and I know how to use it well enough. So like, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stretch myself on the rack to have something mar like a marginally better user experience that costs me twice as much money or something like that. Yeah, it's it's like making a game is basically making a hundred different small compromises. And figuring out which stuff you will not stand for and what you are fine with. Like, I think that's the biggest thing for me right now is figuring out what I do not want to do and what I can do and I will have a grumpy time doing. Yeah, I need to uh, do that with my... I I feel like I haven't had a lot to do for the last few weeks and then I woke up today like, damn, this week's going to be... A lot. Just riding those waves. Yeah, like, just embracing... If you start all of this out with, like, the... Anti-crunch mentality... I posted about this in the Brain Trust today, but... I was looking for a cool new romance game to play, and I found one um, that I didn't end up downloading. But it had a cool thing where they said, here is, like, when we have the demo out. Here's when we have the longer extended demo out and here's when the full game can be released and the demo had a discrete date the second one had a more vague date in the future and the third one was like a season and a year and it said this is when we this is our best guess for when this is going to come out we're working our best but 
we will not crunch. And if something takes crunch, uh, because of our anti-crunch policy, we're just going to move it. So just be aware that that's going to happen. We want to make games that we're proud of with the amount of polish we want, and we will not hurt ourselves to make it happen. Yeah, that's excellent. I planned on putting that on the Cyber Metal page. Uh, nice. A- ASAP. ASAC. ASAC Trader. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, Cyber Metal updates to do this week because I'm trying to get ready to launch it. I'm trying to prep my myself and the page. <laughs> I think, you know, like having an anti-crunch policy is important, but like, you know, there are financial realities that we have to deal yeah. with. Like we still rent or mortgage like is there. So yeah, at some point you have to figure out what your health is worth. And right now for me, it's priceless, <laughs> but I don't know. I try and support myself with like a freelance business. Speaking of, you should hire me to edit your game, listener. Got his game coming to ZineQuest 2022? T- lacing up your clown shoes and thinking about <laughs> the next ZineQuest? Why not work with Willie Obst? There's no good answer as to why not. <laughs> Might have too much fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... It's hot. It's getting hotter. It's the heat of the day. We should have done this in the morning for me. I feel like we could go shorter this week, mostly because we did do 40 minutes and didn't really say anything. We said so much. I really hey, shout us out in the Brain Trust Discord if we said something that you can relate to in any way. This probably about losing your security deposit. This isn't a bad thing at all, but this is one of those where I'm just on the phone with you. Yeah, you know, like we're just hanging out, and the, I can see the bars. But really, we placed. I'm yeah. not thinking about who's listening to this and why. I'm not thinking about the fact that someone is listening to this. Or I wouldn't have gone off on the TRL thing. <laughs> and I'm thinking about Alfred Valley just listening to this podcast right now, just kind of nodding with the <laughs> earbuds in. <laughs> we got uh, campfires going. You're doing Torque. How's Torque going? Torque's great. Um, I just got a bunch of photography from Ben Garbo, who is a dear friend and a great photographer, bengarbo.com. You can find all his photography, but has a bunch of, you know, classic car photography. <laughs> I love classic cars. Yeah, he's doubles of some of them. <laughs> doubles of some of them. <laughs> got triples of the Barracuda. <laughs> I'm so glad Bob Odekirk is okay. Yeah. What a treasure. That was scary. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, he's really great. Um, and the photography is amazing. I love having photography in role-playing games. It's I just bought some today for Cyber Metal, actually. Nice. Are you? Or did you find it online, or are you working with a photographer? Uh, I got it from uh, youworkforthem.com. Um. I'm gonna pull it Nailing up. The I, actually, I have the tab right here. Love that. Uh, designed by Design Graphic, but with a K. Graphic with a K. And they have a pack of. I honestly, I I I'm pretty sure they're photos. 
<laughs> but now, can you? I don't know. Can you send me a picture? They're called. Can you include me on the license so I can look at these? <laughs> the pack is called Dystopian Machines. I'm sending you one on Discord, and then I'll send. I'm sending you a pic first, uh, and then I'll send you the link because it's entirely possible oh. that it says somewhere. Like those seem like they're photos, but of what and where? It looks like the inside of a vending machine. Now that I'm looking further, I think some of these are renders of just. They're very cool. These are really great. Yeah, I plan on using. I got there's two packs of them. Um, I bought some like techie like user interface graphic stuff from Dread Labs. Uh, oh, Dread Labs is really great. Yeah, they they've got a lot of really Cyber. great like weird techie typefaces right now too um that i'm very tempted by but i also know that i have like 60 in a folder already just for cyber metal um <laughs> it has it's the life yeah like using photography and non-trad like trad for role-playing games illustration or elements like that's just going to give you a lot of points with me it's interesting because i hate it in board games like I was really worried when I got the Fast and Furious game that it was going to be movie stills but it's original art and that helps a lot but with role playing games for some reason photography or especially treated photography I yeah I'm, I'm with you I want it I like it I wonder why that is I wonder because maybe like book R- maybe because that's in a book. RPGs are mo- maybe that's part of it. Because also, like, yeah, a photo on a card, like a playing card, like a Magic the Gathering sized image, <laughs> picture of a Ford like Taurus, looking at slides in a box. Um, huh? Great. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So book does feel yeah. immersive, but also, I think because board games are rigid, and role playing games are more abstract, that a photo makes something rigid feel even more tight and a photo in a really fluid game like a role-playing game kind of grounds it in some sense of reality right and there there is the secret sauce that happens when you work with like a photographer that you know or taking your own photography yeah where you can create you can really capture and write towards the singular vision i think something that happens in role-playing games is you get a couple upsplash photos that don't really rhyme with each other near each other in a book but they aren't kit bashed or something so there's this like textural difference yeah i don't know how to explain this in a way that's not like yeah which you can obviously account for and it is when it's intentional it can be really good like a collage including a lot of photography with textural differences um yeah but when you use a single photographer or photographers that you know or all from one pack or something like that there gets this like cohesion that's really great yeah um like it's it's like the same level of decision as like what your typography is or how your margins are like 
with um, Black Mass, all the photography is by Kara Kokonos, who's a gr- amazing photographer who mostly does bands and stuff. But uh, they also do a ton of like creepy exteriors. So we went out and took all this photography, and you can see their eye in every frame, which is just super cool. That's neat. I like um, that. <laughs> You ever go to the TRL studio? Um, I haven't actually. I think I've been once, I've, but it I've was I've been to Times Square, but it was I think after TRL was over by that time. You were playing guitar in your underwear. <laughs> I did sort of like a artist residency in Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a cowboy hat. I wonder where he is now. <laughs> I think he's still doing it. Um, the Naked Cowboy. He's an institution. Uh, I'm gonna check out. Is he dead? Let's see. I bet he stormed the Capitol. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit! Most recent thing. Miss Pelosi. New York City's naked cowboy arrested during Bike Week in Daytona Beach. That was from March of this year. Oh my god, he does not look so good. <laughs> no one looks good in a mugshot. No one looks good unclothed in only a cowboy hat and a guitar. <laughs> Would you rather um, be naked cowboy or be a human statue or be trying to sell your CD? Um... Cowboy. You want to be cowboy? Um, yeah. I don't know that I would do well uh, with any of the above. I don't think people would want to give me money. <laughs> did you get what I? Did you get that thing I sent you? <laughs> you just sent me something just now. <laughs> Let me see. Opening it up. Uh oh. He's going on tour. It is Naked Cowboy wearing a, a COVID mask. The Naked Cowboy won't let COVID-19 derail his 20-year career. Oh my god, the front of his guitar is covered with Trump stickers. Uh, you know what? Fuck that, this guy. That makes perfect sense. Wow, fuck the Naked Cowboy. Friendship ended with Naked Cowboy. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the friendship started with fred durst for canceling the tour did they that's that's neat i didn't know that yeah they canceled the tour but they not before making some iconic moments you know i haven't seen his new haircut yet i'm gonna look it up while on the podcast it looks like just like pretending to be an old person like (laughs) what like jackass era i'm gonna put on an old guy (laughs) costume and do pranks he looks like he looks like Bam Margera wearing a barrister's wig. And what was ex- what was so funny too is people were talking about it for like a week. Look at Fred Durst, like crazy dad look. And Wes <laughs> Borland is like wearing nun, like a nun suit with n- short shorts and like latex <laughs> pants, and like uh, had his face all inverted. And everyone's just like, "No, that's look at Fred. He's fucked up." 
do you think that like Wes was gonna make some interesting clothing choices and then he saw Fred Durst come out with this fucking this, he looks like a Monty Python character at this point <laughs> it's like kids in the hall it's like low budget yeah <laughs> we just are doing this for fun and nobody's gonna see I this. honestly think I've seen this outfit in a whitest kids you know sketch I also think it's so it's so wild because the bass player and drummer of Limp Biscuit are actually super good, and yeah, I don't. I and I imagine Wes Borland's probably also good at guitar, but I've actually I've never really given it any thought because he's just such oh, a character. Saw a picture of Wes Borland and Fred Durst yeah. is such a character, and it's always wild to me to have the split. Like you're not a full gimmick band. But you have one or two members who are full gimmick. And then you just have some normal dudes. The guys. I think I did that to my band. I started I started wearing a mask for the last year that we were playing. And I think now that I'm thinking about it, I, I was the West Borland. Just like everybody's normal. Why is that guy got a skull on his face? Your mask looks really good. You definitely don't look like you fucking wandered off of the golf tournament. <laughs> like Fred Durst does. Fred Durst is wearing this jacket that is buttoned with the top third button and wearing... I don't... Uh, I can picture it. I, I, lo- don't, I don't even know what you're looking at, but like... I like this look. He's wearing like slacks and white crew socks and checkered van slip-ons and like a Hawaiian shirt. I think it's viral marketing for Jackass Forever. Yeah, this is actually Johnny Knoxville <laughs> saying break stuff. I would like some more of that persona energy in role-playing games. You don't have to try to bring it back. <laughs> I think we're too far off the edge here to, to try to reel it in. <laughs> well, I mean, what if we just say, I've been wearing a mask this whole time. <laughs> Uh, shoot, I had something. Fred Durst wearing uh, some golf clothes. Fred Durst looking like he owns a yacht that's broken. <laughs> Wait, so let's let's go back. Yeah. So we talked about Naked Cowboy. It wasn't that far. It was into, Limp Biscuit Into... It's Biscuit related. Um, Wes, you wearing the mask. It's either Limp Biscuit related or Jackass related. Jackass Forever, viral marketing. Bam, Bam Margera, <laughs> screeching. Can, uh, find me on Twitter at WC Gameco. My games are at WorldChamp.io, and I'm not doing a Patreon game this time this month, but I'm on Patreon nice. next month maybe. And we uh, love taking a break. Yeah, we love taking a break for the first time in four years on accident. Um, Cyber Metal 2012 is at pentagram.city, <laughs> and it's going to come soon. Uh, I'm Layups. You can find me online at will underscore J-O-B-S-T. Um, Torque is in production, where I'm sending, once I lock down a printer, a black mass, uh, second printing and a soft cover book with a play mat. Um, that will be coming out uh, in October as well. And Campfire is uh, moving along. We sent uh, some stuff to production last week, and it's looking great. Um, it's a great game. Confirmed. Yeah, you can pre-order uh, it at braintrust.rocks. 
I, I and set the, up the backer forward. kit is open. Yeah. The f- so if you already, uh, if you already got it on Kickstarter, you can add a bunch of cool stuff like uh, the Flexi record where. Um, Grave Jones, aka A.E. Jonesy, uh, did the voice of the camp keeper uh, with our Goosebumps ass theme song. It's a flexi disc, so you can play it on a record player, but you get the download codes as well. It sounds amazing. They are an extremely good VO, and it was just a real blast to work on. Maybe we should put it in here and be like, you can hear it if you made it this far. I'll tease it here, yeah. <laughs> Your next story is one of creeps, slashes, ghosts and ghouls, alien abductions, punk rock killers, horrible vacations, things that creak on stilts, medical malpractice, graveyard intrusions, and the last night of our lives. Oh, I hate to choose. So, how about you? Um, if you made it this far, I'm both excited to have you on board and confused about why you made it. Uh, check us out on the Brain Trust Discord, where this podcast ostensibly is the flag by which people found it from. <laughs> so, uh, uh, to be fair, a lot of our new people are from the Draw Your Dice podcast, which is doing actual work in the <laughs> industry. But anyway, go listen to that. Jeremy Gage, he's the best. Um Anything else? No. Um, you can find us at nakedcowboy. <laughs> Brain emoji, handshake emoji. <laughs> <laughs>